Hello and welcome to the Lifehouse Church Beloved podcast. I'm Lena and I'm here with Carolyn and Sam. Good evening. Hello. So we are starting off a, a new podcast series following on from our series on the Word of God. We're now going to be specifically looking at the parable of the sower. All right, so this podcast series is based on a series of sermons that I preached in around 2016 based on Jesus' parable of the sower. And Jesus' parable of the sower speaks about the condition of your heart, which will determine how receptive you are to God's word. I want to just repeat that statement because I think it's really important. The condition of your heart will determine how receptive you are to God's word. So I just pray that everybody listening um, tonight is going to just have, or today, wherever, whatever it is in your time, will have open hearts so that the word of God that we're speaking tonight will fall on good ground. Sam, can you just read for us Matthew 13, verses 1 to 9 and 18 to 23? So this is the parable of the sower that Sam's going to read. And I'm reading from the NIV. That same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came up and ate it. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. And then from verse 18 it says, Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they only last a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the world and make it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop, yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. All right, thanks, Sam. So, Lena, could you just define for us um, seed um, and soil or ground, please? Okay, so the seed is the word of God that's sown into our life. And the soil or the ground, so that represents our heart. So the seed or the word of God that is sown into our hearts. And you can see from the passage that there are different types of soil or ground. So that represents the different conditions of the heart. And what we need to consider is what type of soil or ground are we. Let's listen to Hebrews 3 verse 12 to 15 in the NIV. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. As has just been said, today, if you hear his voice, 
Do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. All right. So what warning does that passage of scripture give us? What do you think, Sam? Well, it's it's talking about the fact that, um, you know, we're ha- uh, about hardening your heart. And um, we know that sin is always deceitful for you. And if we harden our heart, we're actually going to be um, ignoring that conviction. We're not actually going to get the word penetrating into us. And it's, it's a form of rebellion to harden your heart uh, towards God. All right, that's good. Lena, do you want to add anything to that? I just think it's pretty clear. Like the last verse is, do not harden your hearts yep. as you did in the rebellion. Mm, yeah. Yeah, we're to be called, you know, humble and repentant and like truly broken before God, yep. um, relying on him, not that rebellious attitude where we are compromising on sin in our life and in those around us. Yep. So that's the warning, yep, not to develop a hardened heart. And as Sam said, the way that happens is where we actually ignore conviction and so then we are, you know, we entertain sin and then that's what hardens your heart. All right, so over the series of podcasts, we're going to look at each type of ground, each type of heart condition we see. So, Lena, can you read for us again Matthew 13, 4 to 8? Yep, in the NIV. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop, 160 or 30 times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. There are four types of ground mentioned by Jesus. The path, rocky places, ground with thorns and good soil. All right, so remember that um, we mentioned earlier the four types of soil or ground referred to in the parable are the different conditions of the heart. And so for each one we're going to look at basically what it means and what it would look like in our lives. So if we look at the first one, the heart condition of the path, Matthew 13, 4, as he was scattering the seeds, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. So the first type of ground is what's referred to here as the path. Now we've got to remember when Jesus was speaking to the people, he was speaking, you know, he was speaking in language and parables and stuff that um, was stuff in their lives or what they could understand or relate to. And he spoke into an agricultural setting. And in Israel, in the countryside, people walked everywhere they went or they rode on an animal. I mean, they didn't have cars and stuff, obviously. Mm. And so they had to go through fields. And the fields were bordered by beaten paths. And the field would uh, usually be a long, narrow furrow. And there would be beaten paths around them so that the farmer could have access to all his fields. And also people crossing the countryside then wouldn't walk through the fields but stay on the path. So basically the result of that was that these paths were uncultivated. You've got to remember it was hot there as well. And, I mean, we can identify with this here in Australia as well. You know, that really heat where that ground can get absolutely solid and rock hard. And so as people are walking on it, it's dry, it's unwatered, and it just gets beaten down by the sun and wind and also by, you know, people just walking on it. So what do you think is going to happen to seed that would fall on that kind of ground, on that path ground, Lena? Oh, it's just um, 
going to be snatched away. Like it's like it wouldn't even penetrate. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. not going to be. It's just going to be sit on the top and it's going to be eaten up by the birds and scorched by the sun and it's <laughs> dead yeah. as a doornail and trampled on by the people walking there or kicked around and. Yep. You know, even, you know, it's hot, it's going to get scorched, it's going to die. Even if you tried to plant that seed, it probably wouldn't germinate. And and I think the key word here that we're looking for is what Lena said, that word penetrate. Mm. So that seed, even though the seed had a little sort of um, pointy bit that, you know, was designed to sort of, you know, to go into the ground, because that ground was so hard, that seed would not even penetrate. And then, as you were saying, it would get snatched away. So, yeah, that ground in terms of the condition of the heart, just as that seed couldn't penetrate the soil, there are people whose hearts are hard to God's word, and that means that there's no entry point for the truth. So the same as the seed couldn't enter through into that soil because it's so hard. If your heart is hard, there's no entry point for the word of God. All right, so the Bible talks to us about guarding our hearts. And if we look at Proverbs 4, verse 23, it says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. And the Vine Dictionary says that in this verse, the heart is meaning the inner being of man, so the man himself. And that is why the heart is the fountain of all that we do. So all of our thoughts, our desires, our words and actions come from this place. So what we store up, or you know, we can call it allow access to in our heart, that is what determines our behaviour and our attitudes and our speech. And we can tell, um, so what comes out of the mouth, that tells us what is actually in our hearts. Now, behaviour is a direct result of what we store up in our hearts. So we guard our hearts because everything we do comes from our heart. Okay, so that's really critical for us. Um, So we do that by, you know, living in accordance with the word. And we'll talk more about that. But if we store up good things in our hearts, then what comes out is good things. We store up bad, what comes out is bad. It's that old saying of rubbish in, rubbish out. Mm. So if we take in God's word, then the product of our life will be godly thinking, attitudes and behaviour. But if we refuse to allow God's word to penetrate, then the product of our life is going to be sinful thinking, sinful attitudes and sinful behaviour. Look at Matthew 12, verse 33 to 35. Make a tree good and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognised by its fruit. You broader vipers, how can you, you who are evil, say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. So what's coming out of our life reveals to us what we choose to store up in our hearts. So that's what we need to allow the word of God to penetrate so the product of our life is good. Sam, do you want to read um, Proverbs 4? Oh, sorry, hang on. I want to just read this quote from De- Prince's book, God's Medicine Bottle. All right, so it, it says that it is what is in your heart that determines the course of your life. God says, if my medicine and my words and my sayings are going to do what I've promised, they must get into your heart and you must keep them there. Can I just comment on that as well? So it's not only, you know, where he says they must get into your heart. So, of course, you've got to have that entry of the word in first for it to be able to work in you and do all the things that Lena was saying. But, you know, what Derek Prince says here as well, and you must keep them there. 
we've got to realize it's an active thing as well. We've got mm. to actively cultivate our hearts. You know, it's not just, oh, got a soft heart or receptive heart to the word nah, because that can always change. There's always going to be attack and temptation and everything. So we've got to really keep check on that and keep it cultivated and going. So Proverbs 4, 20 to 22 says, My son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. You know, God's word is to be kept within our hearts and it means that his word needs to be in a central place of your whole life and your whole personality. And his words are going to affect the whole way that you live so if you have areas that are hard where the word hasn't taken root, then you're not going to be living in God's way in those areas. And I think we've all seen that in different people's lives and our own where there might be areas that are hard in there and the word of God is not penetrating and not taking root. And I think that's a good point, Sam, that you've raised there. You know, we can have some areas that are receptive, but we can also have areas where maybe we're not dealing with the issue or we've got a certain area mm. of, of ground that we're refusing to allow the Holy Spirit to cultivate or, you know, an area to touch. And so, yeah, we need to always be aware of that as well, that, you know, just to make sure that there aren't areas that, you know, we might think we're doing all right and, we you know, it's good, to, healthy to check and make sure that, you know, you've opened every area. I think that's interesting. If you go back and look through, like, your journals and that sort of thing, if God's, like, saying something to you maybe it's because you're not listening and you haven't allowed him to be lord of that particular area because yeah. you're sort of not doing it because he keeps saying the same thing <laughs> over and yeah. I like what that word you've used there as well Lena that you may not be allowing him to be lord in that area I think that's a really important concept we've got to get as well you know Jesus is not just savior he's lord as well which means we actually yield our life and yield those areas over to him and and as well you know God often doesn't hit you with everything at once mm -hmm. and so there may be areas that you do have to deal with you know progressively and whatever so we've just got to really be sensitive to the Holy Spirit speaking to us and yeah like you're saying if it's the same message <laughs> over and over it's like oh well, hang on you know <laughs> so again if we just remember that warning in Hebrews 3 15 as has just been said Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. All right, so ground in your heart that is hard means that the word is not penetrating, it's not taking root, it's not being productive. Um, and because seed has been scattered on ground that hasn't been plowed by conviction and there are too many people and animals walking there. What does this mean, girls, if we said there were too many people and animals walking there? What do you think? I see that as... um the things of the world and the distractions of the world, the pleasures of the flesh and the works of the enemy just crowding up the word, like you know, we're allowing like Satan to snatch it away before it takes root. Yeah. yeah, and also like the idea of animals and people treading on, like sometimes your um, godly opinion can be trampled down yep. um, and, and hammered down and you've got all of these competing voices um, and sometimes maybe someone is speaking truth and amongst all the competing voices of differing opinions that don't come from the word of God, uh, it can be quite um, trodden on. You know, mm. it's, it's like they're all walking there. And, and I think that's important as well that we might even, not only could we, there's, you know, we could be allowing too many people to talk in. Yeah. 
and we could also be allowing the wrong type of people to talk in, you know, or people that are not um, in a place where they could actually be imparting into us. And that goes whole, that goes back as well. Even for Christian people, make sure that, you know, um, you if you're a Barnabas, you're not allowing a Timothy to talk in certain areas. So it's just, yeah, the type of people and where they are at. And so basically it means that we're allowing or we have allowed the wrong people to speak and be an influence on our life. And even that we can care more about people's opinions over what the word of God says. And that's actually what the Bible refers to as fear of man. So I think a good thing to think about as well is like think about who do you get your advice from? Who do you allow to speak into your life? So who's got access to your heart that you're allowing to actually speak in? And, you know, it's hard because sometimes it can be um, people that are close to you or, you know, close relatives even family and you know you may have to get to a stage where you realize hang on I'm allowing this person to have too much say and it's not actually godly input that's coming in so it's just really thinking about who you're learning to speak all right so what does having a hard heart look like um I just want to stress here that you know the concept of what's talking here about a hard heart towards the word it's not the same as the world's concept of where we can talk sometimes we'll talk about somebody being hard-hearted where they're just really mean and belligerent and whatever, okay? Because often a hard heart doesn't present as a hard, unfeeling, harsh person. Mm. Um, you know, sometimes it would be a person who outright rejects God and his word, and so we would say they are hard-hearted towards him. But in the church, we often, we've got a lot of people who believe themselves to be Christians, but they're not growing or changing because their hearts are hard ground towards the word of God. So as I said, a hard heart doesn't necessarily present as a hard, unfeeling, harsh person. In fact, it's often the very opposite. Um, you know, you might just scratch the surface and they're teary, soft, compassionate, insecure, fearful people. Because they're people who have been hurt and wounded, but they're still holding on to and operating from sinful strongholds. And so these strongholds, together with wrong counsel, the word often is not penetrating. So they've got hard ground in their heart. And as I said, it's not the world's meaning but they've allowed the, the lies and fears to take root in them instead of the truth. And these lies are protected by strongholds, by defensive behavior patterns, and by all the people as well in their lives who are empowering their strongholds. So, you know, we just want to discuss for a little minute on how other people might actually be empowering another person's stronghold. So what might this look like in a family or other relationships? You got any examples, Lena, or any stories? <laughs> yeah. Um. Pence who's listening to the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I just, well, one thing that drops to mind is like sometimes you are empowering people by maintaining relationship with them when they're clearly in error. If you're not going to correct them, then you're just saying everything you're doing that's wrong is totally fine. Yeah, that's good. I'm not going to say anything. Yep. You're not, you, by not saying anything, by not standing on the word saying, hey, you're doing the wrong thing. You're just telling them a-okay. And can I just um, hopefully not interrupt, keep your thought, but exactly on that point, you know, um, I know somebody who's had to take a stand against a family member because there's scripture that talks about, you know, if a person is doing this, you need to have nothing to do with them, do not even eat with them. And, and she's had to take a really 
um, what's been hard for her, stand on that. But Lena, what you're saying is exactly right. She's not one of the people now in that person's life empowering them. She's the only person basically speaking out against it. Mm. Um, and, you know, you, you, that's actually you helping them. And she's not violating the word herself now because she's doing what the word says. So mm. that's really important. Yeah, that I love that. You know, I didn't think of that initially, but you said, empowering may just be as much as yeah maintaining a relationship that you should have cut well it was that 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 um phrase like uh, bad things happen when good men don't stand up like yeah, that's yeah. good men you, say nothing yeah, yeah that's the thing um and i think as an aside it's something we need to be aware of like jesus talked about that he would come between family and like in those relationships yeah. and People don't want to – that's a hard word and people don't want to hear that and understand that the cost of following you, Jesus, may result in me being cut off from my family and my friends, my loved ones, if they are unwilling to follow the yeah. word of God. Mm. Um, but if we are not standing on the word, we are empowering people um, in their sinful behaviour. And and then we all might, we partake, you know, aren't we? Because we are compromising on what the Word of God is telling us as well. Well, that's the thing. To sit next to that person, you have yeah, you have to compromise on the Word of God. And I've seen people do backflips with Scripture to make it be like, yeah, it's totally fine. You go, yeah. hang on, hang yeah. on. Um, and I, it's the simple things of, like, if someone's complaining and, and being critical all the time, never pulling them up. Um, the if you are choosing to allow someone to control you and being passive in that, you're also empowering their strongholds. You're not yep. setting godly boundaries yep. for that relationship. And I know personally, um, like I'm really blessed that people have pulled me up in the past on on things that I might not have seen that I was doing, and people have said, "Hey, that's not right," and you take a step back and think, "Oh, actually, you're right. That doesn't line up with the Word of God," and and you can. Put things in place and say, "I'm really sorry, Lord. Forgive me," and 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 change those behaviour attitudes. And uh, I think it's a really empowering thing to to stand up for what is right. Because if someone takes that on board, then you have done a good work in their life. And and I like what you said there. If they take it on board, because that's what I was going to say with you. You would be, you see, being receptive to the word and someone coming with correction and taking it on board. But I think where you are dealing with someone that doesn't, that's where it becomes really difficult because it becomes confrontational. We often shy away from that because we don't want to, you know, confront or offend or whatever. Um, but the word should be offensive. Um, and, and I think another way as well that we empower people, whether it be family or friends, and often we'll tiptoe around a certain person and, you know, or let's not upset them. Um, we put up maybe with bad behaviour that we shouldn't be tolerating. Like you said, Lena, we should be actually, you know, pulling them up or correcting them um, and giving in to them all the time because it's just like, oh, we just want to keep the peace or keep them calm. So, you well, know. It's just easier sometimes because you know that if you put up with the bad behaviour, things seem to run smoother on the surface. And then you're not going to have that a blow up or that reaction, but obviously we know in the long run that's not helping. And I know I've even empowered people without realising, like, later I'll think, oh, I should have said this instead of that. Mm -hmm. You know, like, for instance, someone saying, oh, you know, somebody once said to me, oh, I can't, like, write sermons or write notes and, you know, I should have dealt with this years ago. And I said, oh, no, it's all right. You were just still growing and learning, whereas I should have, like, just allowed them to say that and, and said, you know, I didn't have to slam them but not 
give them an excuse. You always soften and give an excuse without realizing, and that actually empowers them as well and helps them. What you're saying, the other point, Carolyn, like you can see that with your kids when you are disciplining them. Like it's easier to go along and like you're throwing a tantrum and I'm just going to placate you and just give you what you want. But if you don't fight that, yeah, when it's little, it becomes that that stronghold behavior. This is how I get what I want in the yeah. adult version of that. Yeah, yeah. And it's hard to do those hard yards now when they're little. Just hold the line all the time. But um But but you're helping your kids, you know you what are, I mean? Yeah, hey. loving them. Yeah. Even though it's tiring and frustrating. It's tiring for you now, nah, but you're saving them from a world of high tech later. I mean, look that I don't even want to get started. That's my biggest bugbear with school, you know. We're just talking the number of kids that we've seen at primary school coming in with that kind of thing where the parents are the kids are, are dictating to them totally, you know, and then the parents are placating just because they don't want there to be a blow up or whatever. And to me, that's a form of child abuse. It's negligent because we can already see kids that are going to be absolute messes as adults. They're not going to be able to maintain relationships. They're not going to be able to maintain a job or just to function normally in society because of what these parents are doing now. You know, I mean, it sounds extreme, but it's not extreme. Mm-hmm. That's what we are seeing um, is really what's going to happen. And and you really, you you know, doing a big disadvantage, a big disservice to your child. And you're, you're seeing it at the primary school level, and yeah. I'm seeing it further down the track in the high school level. And the nature of a stronghold is that the more you allow it to rule, the stronger it gets. Yeah, yeah. And so by the time some of these students graduate, if they've never had anyone pull them up yeah. on particular behaviour patterns, it has been ingrained for at least 12 years, yeah. if not more. And as an adult, what happens further down the track when they realise, hey, this is not okay, it's the cause of so much heartache, they've got to undo every single layer of habit that's built around that. Yeah. And it's it's so much harder, or they may never realise. But that's what I was just going to say. A lot of them will not, unless they come to Christ and they're prepared to undergo sanctification, they won't realise. And so they just spend a life blaming everything else and everyone else and just not being able to maintain jobs and functions. And, you know, I had a kid a few years ago where, um, you know, when I say no in the classroom, they know I mean no. And this kid used to go nuts. And, you know, when I spoke to the parents, they were like, oh, no, we've never seen this. And, you know, I think they almost didn't believe it. And then one day they happened to just come in a bit early and they saw it happening and they couldn't believe it. And then, um, you know, it turned out from the mum talking to me that they never, like, get to that absolute no point and without just they divert the kid and give in to him in another way so it doesn't reach that point where it's point blank, no, not getting what you want. And then the mum comes out and tells me that, um, you know, she's also got anger issues and so at work she sometimes has to leave the office and go for a walk because, you know, mm. she's so angry. But even that, you can't do that. No, sorry, boss, you made me angry. I'm going out now, you know. It's just like you're not teaching them anything. Mm. I think you need, like, if you look at your own life when you're, when you're dealing with sin issues, all right, so my garden – it was really awesome at being on top of it and then I got really bad for a while and <laughs> the weeds went nuts and there yep. was just like weeds everywhere and it was so much work to get the garden back to not weeds everywhere. Yeah. That was yep. painful but if yeah. I just 
every fortnight or every week, just gone out, sprayed the weeds, pulled the weeds out of the garden. Fine, no problem. It's just like a little bit of maintenance, a little sorting things yeah. out, getting it done while it comes, pops up. Oh, that's a bit ugly. I need to sort that out, repent of that, change that thinking. Yes. But if you just let it go, it runs wild and it's so much work. It's yeah. like backbreaking work to yeah. deal with all this stuff rather than just dealing with it when it first right, pops Right, then, then. And that's where we talk about that keeping short account, isn't it? Mm. Just, um, yeah. Well, little weeds are so much easier to pull out than the big ones. Yeah, don't let them grow, hey? I think that's a good place there to wrap up our, our podcast, yep. ladies, just leaving everyone with the thought of, like, what kind of ground uh, are you and how are you dealing with these sin issues when they pop up in your life? Are you allowing the Word of God to penetrate and bring that conviction and are you then truly repenting and choosing to walk away from that behaviour? And, and I think it would be good as well if you, you know, um, think during the week as well about the things Lena has said and then also maybe look at your relationships as well and see are there any relationships that maybe you're actually hindering a person because you're empowering them and not empowering sorry the opposite you're enabling them mm. um, and not empowering them it's actually where you pull people up that you would empower them so are you enabling anybody that maybe you could help them more by actually yeah speaking straight in Thank you for listening and uh, we look forward to talking well you tuning in next time. If you want to get in contact with us, please pop onto our website www.life-house.net. Goodbye. <laughs>